This is Dr. Holly Lucille's Mindful Medicine. Here's Dr. Holly Lucille. Hey, Mindful Medicine listeners. Thanks so much for being here. Dr. Holly Lucille coming at you. Listen, one of the things that I've talked about for a long time on this show, and certainly in my private practice, is uh, the word diet. I mean, I, I, I've, I love looking up words, and when I looked up literally the word diet, like what does it mean? It kind of changed my life as far as how I approach talking to somebody about it. Because if you look up the word diet, it means pretty much in a sense, habitual nourishment. So how as a habit do you nourish yourself? And that helped me turn it on its head when I talked to folks. And one of the things, because diet is so foundational, we know that. How, what, how we nourish ourselves, those nutrients that drive our biochemistry, foundational for health, absolutely. But one of the things that I would ask on my intake form, outside of, hey, how do you nourish yourself? Like, could you give me a 24-hour recall? Is what is your relationship with food? Because what I learned not only in my personal life, but in my professional life, is that sure, I can put together uh, a great plan for um, decreasing cardiovascular risk, or decreasing cancer risk, or um, helping somebody lose weight. But if we don't take up your personal relationship with food, because food is a lot in our country, right? It is definitely nourishment. It can be used as a drug. It can be used as medicine. It can be used as comfort. It's celebratory. I mean, there are spiritual events around food. Food is so much. So it's so important to talk about somebody's relationship with food because that is, I think, the key. And I have a gentleman here who... Um, he's, I'm just going to introduce him at the top of the hour and we're going to get started. So he is a mission oriented three time health entrepreneur, but he's super successful in all sorts of incredible things that he does. But his passion is really stemming from his college minor in physiology, functional movement, and the emotional and psychological layers of helping people find lasting behavior change that betters their whole life, health, and happiness. So I want to bring Bentley Adams to the show. Bentley, thanks for being here. Well, thank you so much for having me, Holly. Great to be here. I, I think, um, you know, I'm going to be completely transparent with my listeners. You and I have had this conversation before about something called Way, W-A-Y, simply. And I was so moved and motivated. I wanted to have you on the show because I think this information is so important. Based on my clinical experience, this is the key for people getting better. So I'm going to stop talking and I want to hand it over to you and we can get this conversation going. Oh, well, well, first, thanks for having me. It's, it's great to be here. And it's uh, really appreciate the, the very generous and kind introduction. But um, I don't know if I can live up to any of the, the nice compliments that you made. But, uh, but ultimately, what way is is a mindful eating app. And what we're focused on is helping people find peace in their relationship with food and with their body. And um, kind of going back to it, when you're making the introduction there, I think of kind of your experience with the word diet, I think it's really interesting, because this is what shifted my thinking as well. The original Greek definition of the word diet was that it was actually the word was diata, and it meant way of living. And ah. that's really something that we've, I think, missed and lost uh, we, in this last 60 years of looking at food as science and food as this restrictive calories in, calories out, weight-oriented approach um, in our society. We've kind of missed the, the big picture here, which is what you eat is ultimately the thing that defines us as being human. It's the thing that created the acceleration of our forebrain 
in its growth. Mm. It's why in, in kind of our uh, species within the, the great apes are, are part of the animal kingdom. Um, we accelerated so much faster than all of our brothers and sisters who are other, other forms of primate. And so that's the definition of, of what, you know, what we eat is what ultimately determined us being human. Um, at least that's what, you know, the Harvard anthropologists and most anthropologists around the world believe. And, and I do certainly as well. But if that's the case, then what we eat is so deep into who we are. And if we don't have an understanding of where that comes from and how we relate to food, and then I go back to also to this concept of relationship. So a relationship is any consistent connection that you have with anything, person, place, thing, whoever. And when you come into consistent contact with it, so it could be my desk, my chair, my computer, my cell phone, what I eat, I also have a relationship with. And my body, I think as well, I think you, you talked about it beautifully, which is when we think about the body, what is it? This is the most intelligent and efficient system that humans have ever studied. We no rocket, no Elon Musk rocket, no car, no anything is even close <laughs> to as efficient or intelligent as our, our body is. And we're walking around with it every day and we're not listening to it. And this is what ultimately we're, we're after. And the way that we do it really is through really simple thought provoking questions and sessions that are very, um, they, they're very simple and they're fun, but they're expertly crafted to really help people go through whether they know it or not the cognitive behavioral therapy framework. So thoughts lead to emotions and feelings that lead to behaviors that reinforce the thoughts. We ask very surgical questions to get up into the thoughts and emotions and feelings behind the relationship with food and the body so that, um, you know, people can really start asking themselves the, the ultimate question, which is what's your vision? What do you want? If you had a magic wand today, this is a very powerful, uh, DBT, like dialectic behavioral therapy, and also to addiction therapy technique that works in a lot of different modalities. But I think we've seen it in a lot of different areas of society when we say it. But if, if a magic wand or a miracle happened today, we say magic wand because it gives more agency. If you could wave a magic wand right now and have your relationship with food and your body be exactly how you want it to be, what would that look like? Mm. What would that feel like? What would you notice right. in your surroundings? And so when we, we go into that, that subject matter, then you're, you're asking somebody to envision something for themselves. It, it connects to their values. It connects to um, what their experiences have been. It connects to understanding shame and guilt that they might have. Now, the difference between shame and guilt and the Brene Brown sense of it, et cetera, we can talk about that. And that's sure. but point being is ultimately connecting people back with, um, who am I? What do I actually want out of this, this amazing, yeah. brilliant life that I've been given that's a gift? Um, and how do I connect to the thing that I, the two things, the two longest relationships I'm going to have in my entire life are going to be what I put in my mouth and the body that I walk around with, but longer than your yeah. relationship with your parents who will probably know you longer than anybody does. If you're lucky, knock on wood, if you're lucky to have that or your spouse or your best friend, you'll right. never know them as long as you'll know eating food and you're the body that you walk around with. So, um, I'm going to kind of yeah. pause there, but that's basically what, where we come from and what we think and what kind of how way works and, and what we're focused on. So, okay, this, I mean, you, you've said some incredible things there that are, I mean, my, my mouth is just dropped and because they're so <laughs> profound and so simple and so true, so true. And I think, you know, one of the things that um, when I was listening to you, you know, I, I'm sure this requires somebody then these thought provoking questions, and we're going to get in listeners to how you can have access or, 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 you know, how you can experience way because I just want to read one testimonial um, before I, I continue. Uh, 
this is Lindsay N from Charlotte, North Carolina says, stop looking. This is the best one. I've done my research and I can tell you that way is the way to be. They have been so helpful with answering my questions and I'm finally maintaining this healthy living lifestyle I always wanted to live. Because I have seen in my practice, this this is so true. And you know, there's a difference between what I say, what I, what I think is compliance, right? Like, oh, she, you know, she told me to do this or she recommended I do this and adherence, which is a faithful attachment to something. And I always look for that. How can I make a plan more sticky for somebody, right? How can they own it? Like, how can they make it their own and in their bones? Not just something that I recommended, but something that like, okay, I know if I do this, this is what what, what I'm going to get. And I think what you, what caught my attention is these questions that are asked and, and the way that way works. Mindfulness is part of it. And is that true? A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I think what at the base of it, and you said a lot there that I, you know, it's the good word. It's exactly how we think of it. We want people to own their own change because if, if I were to tell you, as you know, as a provider, as I knew as a, as a trainer and as you know, just a behavior change oriented person my whole life, you know, whenever I'm helping somebody through change, it doesn't matter if I tell them what to do and they follow it, 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 it won't stick. And that's what we know statistically, like the UCLA study, 82% of restrictive diets fail. Now that number in many other studies goes as high as 95%. And we all feel this, right? But ultimately the mindfulness component is extremely important because as you know, and as you've talked about, and as I think your listeners probably know as well, we live in a very stress oriented society. It's pressure oriented. It's ultimately shame oriented. There's a lot of external um, judgment that happens and passing along of you know, um, you're unworthy of belonging or of love, et cetera, et cetera, unless you do X, Y, and Z. Um, and that's a separate thing from guilt. And we can get into that too. But what we want to do is create a safe, non-judgmental space as quickly as possible. And one of the best ways to do that is through mindfulness. And I think mindfulness, having been a, a meditator myself for you know, about 15 years now, is, is I think that the, it's a simple thing. There's a technique and just add people do, and we do this in the app. Before you start asking yourself important introspective questions, do 30 seconds of breathing. Breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth. In through your nose, out through your mouth. And when you've done it just three times, you're actually starting to flip the body from sympathetic nervous system into parasympathetic nervous system, as you know. So now you're getting relaxed. Your body's working differently. Your cognition's turning on more. Your reptilian brain is turning off, your hindbrain's turning off more. And so you're able to focus and, and ask yourself questions that are actually true to who you are, which that means that when you write them down and when you answer them, especially when they come from where we come, the angle we come from is predominantly non-diet intuitive eating, if you will. Um, we're not a one-to-one -one with intuitive eating framework, but there are very similar, uh, I think, principles and beliefs that we map to uh, within that framework. But ultimately, when you ask these questions of effectively, you know, what were the first food rules that you had? you know, um, growing up, what's the first food that you remember? How does that shape how you eat today? How do you feel? What emotions do you feel around food? How can we, what's your, your body image and how does that affect how you eat? Right? Because how you think about your body oftentimes may dictate or how a person thinks about their body may, may impact the decisions they make around what they eat. And so getting into that mindfulness and into that place, that place of kind of not necessarily a meditative state, but a, a place of feeling safe, feeling like there's no judgment here. We're not here to judge you. This is just about how you honestly feel about your relationship with food and your body. 
that makes it a lot easier to start exploring. And that makes it a lot easier, as you probably know, as a provider, they can answer honestly. When they answer honestly, the improvement and the progress accelerates a lot faster. Well, and I think not only answering honestly to me and to the app like way, but answering finally, honestly to themselves, like deepening their own relationship, you know, because it's like, I think knowledge is power, but self-knowledge is like superpower. Um, You know, it's like when you, I mean, there's no other like deeper relationship that you can have than the one that you have with yourself and getting to know yourself. And I think something else that you said really made a lot of sense to me. Um, the whole shame thing, because what I have seen is that let's, like you said, you know, let's say somebody has a poor self-image or um, they're in a shame cycle. Though what people do to, if they're there, if they can't tolerate, and shame is a pretty hard emotion, I think, to 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 tolerate, right? To to really embrace. And to get out of it, sometimes food is the thing that they go to, even though it's the one thing that they're trying to change. It's like unconscious eating or stuffing or, you know, squashing those feelings. We, we all know how this feels. We all have done it. And we all know that it's this cycle that needs to be broken. And I think this thoughtfulness and mindfulness and breathing and that that parasympathetic, that's where you rest, relax and repair, and you can settle down and actually think right? And use your right. mind. It's what the show is all right. about, folks. Mindful medicine. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Th- that's the key. Because if not, it, it, it is for not. Seriously. Yeah, yeah. And shame is a very big subject that we don't talk about. And I think that we need to talk about a lot because it's, we live in a capitalistic society and being economics major as well, on top of everything, I always say like, look, it's, it's brought us a lot of innovation. It's also brought us a lot of social ills too. We have to be honest about that. And one of the things that happens is people shame other people because it gives them effectively, whether they know it consciously or not, a competitive advantage to feel and think that way. And so, but, but what it does is ultimately create this circuitous, this kind of, oh, this kind of cycle where we don't get out of people shaming other people. And ultimately the, the first thing with shame is to remember that it's external. It doesn't come from you. It doesn't connect with your values necessarily right? It's the, so what we try to bring people down to is connect with your values. If you do that first, you're safe. You're okay. You're fine. Everything's going to be okay. That's what we find with shame cycles, especially around eating. If they do exist, is it, it's not just the shame, but the fear of having more shame in the future that creates the behavior. And that's an interesting cycle. And so if you think about it, not only are you feeling unworthy, you're feeling unworthy of belonging as a human. It's horrible. And then you're also feeling fear that you're going to feel that shame continuously. And that's brutal. That's absolutely brutal. And so the first step, like you said, I think exactly as you said, parasympathetic nervous system, relax, repair, right? We get that into that safe point, that, that place where you can just be you. And however you are is an amazing creation of the universe, however you look at it. And so um, I think that that's kind of how um, we approach shame. It's, it's extremely important though, because it's everywhere. It's all around us. We don't, maybe we may not label it as shame, but ultimately from an emotional standpoint, consciously or unconsciously, we're perceived, our body is perceiving it that way. Emotionally, we're perceiving it that way. And so um, I think we're, we're getting a little bit more conscious about it, but we're still at the, the very early days of really understanding that. I think you're right. And, you know, 
to my to my point in my interpretation of the word diet, right? Habitual nourishment. Like what you're saying is sometimes people don't feel worthy of being nourished. I have seen this so much. Like, you know, people really suffering from really tough, painful clinical conditions that I know um, using dietary interventions and, and food as medicine can help. And for a couple of weeks, they're doing great. But then, you know, they come back and we do a, an, an assessment and I'm like, hey, how did, you know, how, where, where are things at? How did it go? And they've fallen off. And, you know, my, my, my role as a naturopathic doctor is to identify and treat the cause, right? So mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. when I really put on that thinking cap and identifying and treating the cause, you know, sure, I can get into the physiology of the body and the biochemistry and, and other influencing factors. But when the cause is somebody not feeling worthy of being nourished, it's a whole, it's, you got to go there because if I don't, yeah. nothing I can say, yeah. nothing I can evidence-based, like here's the research, you know, here, you know, these phytonutrients, these macronutrients, these micronutrients, nothing I can say unless I go to that root cause of helping that person heal deeper is going to make a difference. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hundred. I love that you said that. That's that's so important because like so. My mentor in college was a doctor and an Olympic athlete trainer, and I think one of the forefront movement specialists. But what I was most fascinated with in college was the neuromuscular connection. And what he taught me was effectively how to create rapport with any client and person I hope to serve in order to help them see the parts of themselves that they don't actually normally see. And I think that one of the things that I was taught was you you have to create that place of being safe and really allowing them to be who they are so they can, you know, kind of expose that emotional fabric that very we guard in this world that we live in and understandably so to protect ourselves. Right. But I think as you said, if you're going after the root cause and getting through that, you have to show somebody what is already there in their own mind and their own experience in their own body And when that happens, you give them so much power. Like what you just described is giving your clients so much power to make the decision of, okay, what do I do with this? Okay. Now I, now that I know about it, it makes it a lot easier to figure out, you know, I actually, it's not that big of a deal, but I've been holding on to it for so long or, Oh, actually, what is the root cause? The root cause is that my spouse or my partner, I, I perceive that other people are more attracted to them than they are to me whoa, that's a deep one. That's, that's actually what's happening underneath the surface. And so if that happens or that I feel like I'm more attractive than them or that I feel like they're doing better or I'm doing worse or what's this, that, or the other, or just that that's with my friends or with whoever else. But these are the little things that are happening behind the doors of, and the curtains of people's minds and their hearts and their emotional fabric. And like you said, if you don't get to that route, and I, and I love that you're focused on getting to the cause because our whole healthcare system is focused on symptom control and symptom treatment or ultimately suppression. But I think that this is, yeah, it's effectively, you're just perpetuating, you know, the issues because we don't ever get to the cause. I love that you get, you're getting to the cause. And I think this is the, that's really the, the, one of the things that you're talking about is uncovering what's the actual root. And if you get there, it makes it a lot easier for people to make the decision of what do I do with that? Just what do I do with that? Let me decide. Okay, I have a feeling that you and I could talk for four more hours. However, what I really want to do now is tell my listeners how, where they can find more information, how they can sort of find the way to the way, their way to the way. Um, 
get, just get 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 it all out there. Yeah, well, you can find us uh, just eatmyway.com. Um, okay. Just spelled how it normally is, uh, eatmyway.com. And then uh, we're on Instagram as well. I think that's where we really built the community in these early days. Um, so it's eatmyway app um, is our handle on Instagram. And yeah, we'd love to engage and help. And we, we try to help people no matter where they're at, if they're signing up for the app or not. It's We really, though, focused on we want to make impact in the app because of that is $6.99 a month. So it's it's very affordable. It's intentionally very affordable. We want to help as many people as we can. The problem that we see that we define through our marketing and, and understanding what people's where people are at right now and trying to meet them where they are. There are 13.8 million to 19.2 million people in the United States right now who are actively rejecting restrictive diets mm. and they're totally unserved by something that's especially something that's less than $10 a month. Okay, so we so, want to be, especially in these days of inflation, it's going to be really easy to access. All right, great. Because I was going to clarify $6.99, like close to $700 or $6.99, like close to $7. $6.99 per month. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want anybody to, I didn't want anybody to shut us off as like, this sounds great, but that's way out of my range. That's a lot so, of money. I know. That's yeah. What we, 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 yeah, and we, that's, we, we try to do is make it worth that much, but we, we charge $6.99 per month. Exactly. That's amazing. All right. So listeners, it's all about, so my, you're on, you're listening to the show, Mindful Medicine. We've got this mindfulness that can go into actually finding peace in your relationship with food. Bentley Adams, thank you so much for all of the leaning in you've done, the work that you've done and the help and the contributions that you are, are giving to people in a very mindful way, because you know, food is everything. And um, it's certainly foundational when it comes to people's health. And we struggle quite a bit for a lot of the reasons that we talked about. So I really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a great conversation. Like you, like you said, I think we could talk for about four more hours and I would probably be <laughs> entirely happy the, the entire time. So, so thank you for <laughs> me having too. me. Very much appreciated. You bet. All right. Mindful listeners, we're going to see you next time. Thanks so much.